0: Hi, welcome to Economics Happy Hour. My name's Matt. And I'm Jadrian. Uh, thanks for joining us today for another episode. Uh, Jadrian, you've um, had a full day of classes again today.
1: Mondays are always tough, uh, but things feel like they're, s- they're finally slowing down. It's um It's always interesting, I think, that the semester starts incredibly busy and feels like it stays busy for a very long time. And then there's like one moment or one week <laughs> where it feels like it's just a normal week. And like it just... It's, it's, it doesn't really feel like it levels into it. It feels like it's just a switch in one week. So I think I'm at that week, and hopefully it stays like this the rest of the semester.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Last week for me was super busy. I think it'll be that way. It'll just be chaos here. That's that's okay for until the classes end. I'm doing uh, those who are watching on YouTube might be able to tell. Those who aren't um, will have no idea. I am using a standing desk for probably the first time in my life. Literally. Uh, my... My wife Amanda got one and I've always kind of thought oh it'd be fun to have one and try one. And so this episode I'm standing so well if I'm either better or worse than normal if you all will have
1: I, a, you know. I didn't even realize you were standing. I like you yeah. are standing. I just didn't I'm even standing. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh-huh. Is it a real standing desk or is it a, the converter that sits on the desk and then like you said. Yeah. It sits on the desk. You can okay. let it bring it up. Yep. That's what I had before. I absolutely love it. Um it it really does help your back. Like it it helped. It has made me feel significantly better. Cool. Um, I have a bad habit of like hunching over the desk working.
0: Sure, sure.
1: I, I really enjoy it. I think you're gonna like it.
0: If I like it here, I may get one for the office. And then uh, before we get into our topic for today, uh, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, so I pulled this one out, and this you know I'm I'm sticking with the uh, sticking with the Virginia beers. We're deep. We're months into this podcast, uh, and I'm still going strong. Today, a limited release from the Three Notched Brewing Company in Charlottesville, Virginia, which is actually a really good brewery. And they have a, a tasting house, I think, in Harrisonburg, Virginia as well. Okay. Uh, and I think actually also in, I want to say in Richmond. So they, I think they have a couple tasting houses that I've been to. It is a Blackberry Gosa is what I'm going to do. So a Blackberry Sour uh, for today. Nice.
0: Nice. And I, um, you know, we're talking taxes. So I figured I'd have a Philadelphia pale ale to, um, Yards Brewing Company uh, brewed in Philadelphia. So,
1: what kind of glass are you drinking out of? I can uh,
0: sure. standard Marzoni's glass for today. Okay. How about I,
1: you, I have uh, a very beautiful, it's one of my, it's one of my, you know, I'm going to say it's one of my favorite. And I think anybody who knows me, I say everything is my, anything I own is my favorite. Uh, so, of all my pint glasses, they're all one of my favorites. Uh, this one is, I really, really like it because I think it's a very pretty pint glass. Um, it is a Shiner Bach pint glass, which is my favorite brewery because I love Shiner. Uh, so Shiner Bach is very special to me because I'm from Texas. Uh, those of you on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. But Matt, you'll be able to yep. get, like, have a look. Very nice. This is a like uh, I don't know how to describe this like florally patterned type glass. I don't know how to describe that. You,
0: if you're there's listening, stuff, yeah, there's, there's stuff on the, on the glass. It there's there's stuff looks pretty. On it. Yeah.
1: Uh, if you're listening, you can go to YouTube, Economics Happy Hour, watch the video. Just in the first couple minutes, you can see the glass. Right. Uh, but it's one of my favorite glasses. It's got kind of a neat shape because it's skinny on the bottom, tall on top. Yeah. I don't know if you're supposed to drink a sour in a glass like this, but I, I almost never drink out of the correct glass. Uh, I save that for breweries.
0: Different glasses give different tastes, right? So maybe it's, uh, maybe you are, maybe it's a different beer each time. So
1: it smells good. I think I'm going to like, I've liked all their beers previously. So I'm really excited to try this one.
0: Yeah, that sounds cool. Well. Before we start, cheers. cheers. Oh, that is. Oh yeah. Drinking a Philadelphia pale ale is the perfect um, way to start to think about income taxes and. Um, you
1: know, Matt, I don't know the weather uh, in Sealands Grove right now, but I will say today was a high of seventy-two and sunny, and a sour beer is like the per- this is the perfect nice. beer to have. Sunny nice. and seventy-two.
0: Was a high of maybe sixty pretty nice, but not, not 72. No, it's,
1: it's beautiful outside right now. So I, this is a really, I'm really happy I picked this one.
0: Dedication to record (laughs) on a beautiful day. I like it. So today we're, we're going to talk a little bit about income taxes as this will drop right before, uh, the annual April 15th tax deadline, which always changes if there's a weekend. Uh, so I believe it is April 17th this year because the 15th is on a Saturday, but, uh, It'll drop just before tax day. And I, I liked uh, in the prep work, uh, Jadrian said, we're certainly going to disagree <laughs> on this one. So that, that'll be interesting. So the problem with talking about income taxes is we could talk on all sorts of different angles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, my thought on where to start is to perhaps just define the broad ways you could set up an income tax system in terms of progressive, regressive, proportional. Or any tax system um that doesn't have to be an income tax different taxes could be in there but it might help set up some of the debates that we will be getting into and what people think of so uh, proportional is probably the simply is probably the easiest to understand if you everybody pays the exact same percentage of mm-hmm. their income on a particular tax so if if there is a tax rate of 10 percent if you make a hundred dollars you would pay 10% of the $100 or $10. If you make $1,000, you pay 10% of the $1,000 or $100. Or if you make a million dollars, you pay 10% and $100,000, proportional. The I don't know if we want to get into examples or first define progressive oh, and regressive.
1: Um, I mean, I, could, I think I can give you a couple examples. There is almost always a presidential candidate who runs on a flat tax plan. Um, like, I think almost every major cycle, there's uh, somebody. So I, I I was looking it up while you were pulling, like while you were talking. Um, it looks like in the 2016 uh, pl- uh, race, it was Ben Carson ran on a 14.9% flat tax plan. Uh, I think the most famous one would be in 2012. Herman Kane ran on a 9.99 plan, uh, which was his, everything was nine percent. So I think it's that's an easy enough one to I think explain. Yeah,
0: and then. In terms of taxes that, well, let's go into progressive and regressive first, because some taxes have elements of one and then they change. But so a progressive tax system would be a tax system where as somebody makes more money, the percentage in taxes would increase. Yes. So perhaps you would pay nothing on the first $1,000 or $10,000 you'd earn, uh, but the next $10,000 you'd earn, you'd pay a 10% rate. And the the, you know so if you're in twenty thousand dollars the very first ten thousand is zero then the next ten thousand it's ten percent and if you were in thirty thousand dollars maybe you're paying twelve percent on the you know the third ten thousand dollars so the the tax rate keeps getting higher it's not just that you're paying more in taxes which holds under a proportional but you're actually paying a higher percentage of your income yep and regressive as somebody makes more money they pay a lower percentage of their income in taxes. So regressive could be they're actually paying less in absolute terms, or it could just simply be on a percentage term, it's less that goes in. Um, So those, those I think are the three general types. And I I think, well, most people agree on that. And then the disagreements (laughs) start on, on what type of setup we have. So our federal income tax system. What what what's the first thing you think about when you think about our federal income taxes? And
1: well, so hold on, Matt. Before you say everyone agrees on this, let me just check. I don't think there's very many people who are okay with a regressive tax.
0: I, I didn't mean, say people are okay yeah, with that. I, I I'm say just that, saying the yeah, definitions okay.
1: here. Oh, the definition. Okay, we agree on the definitions. Yeah, I very rarely, I think, I've ever heard of a, of anybody supporting regressive taxes. It's almost like you'll support taxes and then you go, "Oh crap, this is regressive." Uh, it's I, all I, I, right I, there.
0: There's a regressive tax that I I think uh, I could support. There's, okay, there's I'm, regressive... I'm,
1: ex- I'm excited to hear this later. Then, oh, yeah, um,
0: okay. When we get to it, I will tell you that. So,
1: so when I uh, when I think of federal income taxes, that's what you asked, federal, right? Yeah, federal. Income? Okay, um, when I think of federal income taxes, I think of a proportional tax system uh, that largely, as you earn more um, more money, you're taxed at both higher rates, but also that uh, you're you're paying other types of income taxes as well that kind of get factored into that. So I tend to think about marginal tax rates, which you mentioned a little bit in your proportional part, uh, but also progressive taxes.
0: Proportional? Uh, or not proportional, sorry, progressive. 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 Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Okay. Progressive. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, no, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. So our income tax system is generally progressive. Uh, as you know, the first amount of money, you get this general deduction, standard deduction, if you're not giving enough away or have a high enough mortgage interest expense or whatever else you need for to get out to itemize deductions. You have the standard deduction, really the first amount of money you earn, you pay no, you're not paying any taxes for a while. And then that rate starts to go up, up in time, Uh, up, you know, as you make more, start to pay higher and higher percentages on the federal income tax system. So Seems easy enough. What mm-hmm. what are people disagreeing then on the federal income taxes or what's 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 wrong with. Uh, maybe it's a way to start up with saying if you could change the federal income tax system, what changes would you recommend?
1: There are moments in my life where I'm like, man, a proportional tax would make way more sense and I would understand what's going on. Which is weird because, like, I obviously understand the marginal tax rate system, um, and I think most people don't understand the marginal tax rate system largely at all. Where people will do really goofy things to move themselves into a lower tax bracket, except that, like, that's not act like that's not really how marginal taxes work.
0: Yeah, um, I guess we should take a step back. A marginal yeah. so the marginal tax it's the tax you pay on the next dollar you earn. Yes, and so if you are in the highest tax bracket of well, whatever tax bracket you and I are in, um, <laughs> I, I had an account. I just had my taxes done. I could look it up pretty quickly. But the, uh, the whatever tax bracket I'm in, we're probably in the same as um, I would imagine. But we don't pay that percentage on all our taxes, the first amount of money is the lower rate. And then as you earn more, okay, it goes up for the next amount that you earn mm-hmm. and then it goes up. So yeah, what you say is absolutely true. Trying to lower.
1: To move into a new tax bracket just means you're giving up income. Like,
0: It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make you're sense. not, you're not going to get this massive bonus from income taxes. Mm-hmm. There are ways where that does make sense.
1: Um, so I will say I am I am not in the highest tax bracket. so <laughs> I looked up uh I looked up the tax the uh, the largest tax brackets. um I am just underneath it though. uh so the largest tax bracket uh if you make over three hundred so for this upcoming filing year, uh so for twenty twenty two taxes, if you make over three hundred and twenty three thousand nine hundred and twenty five dollars um as a uh as a oh, actually oh there's too many white right? sorry here's married filing jointly. sorry uh the married filing jointly tax bracket you need to make over $647,000. Uh, if you make over that amount, every dollar that you make over that, each of those dollars, 37 cents will be taxes, 63 cents will you be able to keep uh, yep. for yourself. Yep. That so is- I would say the, the part that people disagree on is generally what is then appropriate that level, right? So like once you hit, and I think that's usually what the debate is about is once you hit that top tax bracket, so a family that's earning I'm going to round up to make it easier for our conversation uh, a family that's earning $650,000 what should each of those dollars be taxed at later um like this is I love teaching this chapter in my principles course because from a historical standpoint it's fascinating because I think at one point, our highest marginal tax rate was like 90... I think it was 95. 95. Yeah, it was, 95.
0: I was... I yeah. my, not, The number in my head was 95. It was over 90 for sure. It was over 90.
1: That's all I ever know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, but one of the things is like, even after teaching this idea of average taxes, marginal tax rate, and like talking to them about it, when you hear a 90% tax, like when you hear that as the top bracket, people immediately go to an average. They go, oh my God, you're taking away 90% of my money. And I'm like, no. You're getting to keep a large portion underneath it. Well, maybe, depends on where you're at. But you're getting to keep more than 90%. And it's only after a certain point that you're paying that tax. So it's weird, like, it's almost like we move away from actually teaching it to where it turns into me, like, defending a 95% marginal tax rate. And it's not that I'm defending that. I don't think that that's an appropriate upper tax bracket or tax rate. For sure. But it feels like I'm almost spending my time like defending it, but only really trying to teach them the difference between averages and marginals.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, boy yeah, a little bit under 40% right now mm-hmm. is quite a bit lower than, than historically. The... The 90 plus percent that that leads to separate issues. So you think the biggest debate is over what the highest should be. Um, it was cut during the Trump administration mm-hmm. down a little bit. I think was a thirty nine point six, I think, was the highest yeah. before that. Um, you know, it seems like there's a trade off at the last several Republican and Democratic administrations. They've just mm-hmm. bounced it back and forth um, by a few percent each time. So I don't know that I would say the highest gets a lot of the press. Yes. The question, and I I don't know the right answer to this, um, but on a lot of these, a lot of the statistics that will come out every now and then, mostly from admittedly more libertarian or right-leaning organizations that study it, look at just how few as a percentage of individuals in this country pay federal income taxes. Mm -hmm. And it's, man, it's shockingly low to me that, and, and it's a good question of what should, you know, and that's the normative question of what should it be? Yeah. Because you can make a pretty good case. Look, if you're making lower incomes, of course, you should, you know, less seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. But there's also the buy ins of the government, right? Like, you know, the old, you need some skin in the game to feel like this is important to you. And if you're really not paying the federal taxes, it, it that part seems problematic. But then having it too high, if somebody can't afford it, of course, seems problematic. So that part to me is a very interesting question. And I don't know the answer. And I'm guessing you could ask a thousand people, design your exact optimal system, and you'd get a thousand separate answers. But there are a lot of individuals um, who are paying zero in federal
1: You know, And this is actually where some of my qualms with the tax system comes in. So I I don't have a problem paying. Like I, I usually, when I pay my taxes, I'm like, yep, that's how much I owe. Um, yeah, I, I, I grumble about it in, in spurts, but I generally say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I'm pretty comfortable. Um, and so I usually feel okay with it where I get weird is the, uh, like the things you can deduct and like, it's always seemed strange. So just things like, you know, you can deduct charitable donations and I like, that's always been a strange thing to me where like, you can you can give a chunk of your money to organizations that you care about. And then, but then you're not, you're not obligated to also then chip into the government. Um, which in some senses, like there's parts where I'm like, yes, I would love to give money directly to the causes that I would like to see improved. But then there's also things where like, you know, if you buy uh you buy season tickets to a football game, a chunk of that money goes to the university as a donation. And so you're getting a tax write-off really for football tickets, but it's kind of being masked as an academic donation, those things seemed weird to me. And I also, I've never really liked mortgage deductions. Like I own a home and I've owned homes. And I, I, it just feels weird that like, I chose to purchase a home as an investment. I chose to take out a loan for my home, but that I'm able to write that off on my taxes, but that somebody who is choosing to rent doesn't get to do that. That that's always felt weird to me too. So I think like on the deduction side of things, I've never liked the sort of like some people get to deduct things and some people don't like that always felt strange to me.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would agree. Um, I, of the two, I think the charitable deductions, I could defend that a lot more than the mortgage yeah. deduction, Yeah, uh, which doesn't make sense. It is so complicated and it, it just doesn't seem like it should be
1: Yeah, right on average. It's it,
0: okay. You made some amount of money and, you know, we we graduate a lot of accounting students and they mm-hmm. have good jobs, although most of them aren't in tax, they're in other areas. But I mean, how in the world do we you know, the government knows all the W-2s we have, right? How how yes. do they not just say, Okay, here's here's, yes. here's your taxes. Um okay. that's <laughs> what you pay, right?
1: I mean Yeah. That I would okay. So I changed my mind. That's what I'm that makes me matter. That, okay, that <laughs> it's that. Um it's that. I'll give you a personal story here. Um there was one year. So Matt and I both do a lot of like public speaking. Um, we do public speaking or we consult for people. So we get special income statements where people pay us uh, to go talk and do stuff like that. And there was one year that I did a really big project and I don't mind saying how much it was. Cause like it was a big project. Uh, so they paid me $10,000 to work on something over a, a long period of time. Um, and I was should have paid taxes on it. So the way that this usually works is they just pay you the money, and you're supposed to remember to include that in your taxes so that you'll pay the business taxes and the personal taxes and all that stuff. I forgot, didn't just didn't did not put that in with all my other speaking arrangements, and then like two years later, I got a letter in the mail from the IRS that oh, said, no. yeah, that said, hey, two years ago uh, you earned ten thousand dollars, you didn't pay us taxes, you now owe us the taxes from then. Plus the fees associated with it, uh, so I ended up owing like three thousand um, dollars. It was in the middle of the pandemic. I basically I got a check from or I got a, a letter from the government that said you owe us three thousand dollars because you didn't claim that income from three years ago. And I was sitting there going, "Thank God I am in a I, that I have a job and I'm in a yeah, position I that I can afford to pay that, because I cannot imagine any uh, an average household." That gets a uh, a demand letter from the government that says, "Hey, in the next month, you owe us three thousand uh, dollars." But it, like in my mind, I'm like, "This is so dumb." You knew about this three years ago. Why are you just now telling me? I would have yeah, to yeah, told me.
0: And I mean, we have to go through and track. And I mean, I'm,
1: yeah, um, it was it was one of those things that like I would have I wasn't trying to hide it, right? Like I wasn't I wasn't trying to commit tax fraud. Um, so I guess I can actually say that I guess te- I've committed tax fraud because I didn't pay taxes. Um, But like, I wasn't trying to, I just forgot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, you've got to track. We keep a, we try to keep a spreadsheet now. I I don't don't do nearly, yeah. I don't do nearly as much as I I used to in this role. Um, So last year, I actually think my side income was zero. Mm. Um, Year before it was positive, but not big. And this year it'll be positive and not big. But um, I like it when it's positive because then, because part of my branding is on Broadway shows Mm -hmm. and all my Broadway shows are, you know, tax deductible. So speaking yeah. of tax deductions, because that's a business expense that helps me with my brand, especially I went to one and I just tweeted about it. So I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. that's my marketing. So
1: I got um, a warning from TurboTax last year that said, you have not paid, you have not earned profit on this in a couple of years. Uh, the IRS might consider this a hobby if you don't start yeah. earning a profit. And I was like, oh, okay, things I'll, I won't claim some of these deductions then.
0: So the, so the federal income tax system is complicated at yeah. the, the U S level. And the deductions, one part that you often see a lot of heat over is how much do the rich pay mm-hmm. in taxes. And often, honestly, it's tough for me to even keep track of what's right and what's truth and what's not truth in there. Like, are they paying the taxes already on um, the capital gains? Mm-hmm. And that, that therefore, then they're not paying any taxes because it's not considered income. And then it's reporting, of course, a zero on income. Is it, uh, you know, that you could take out a loan and then you don't have to pay on the loan. And um, is that what it is? It's, I I lose track on that, but you see stories from time to time on how much is Bezos paying in taxes or how much is any specific person paying in taxes. And those, that seems to be one of the more controversial things. And that often guides some policy discussions, which probably not a good thing to try to guide a policy discussion to go after, you know, 20 people uh, or whatever. And some areas, not federally, but who knows this could go federally, um, are trying to do in separate taxes on wealth, which is completely different than income. So income, I suspect most of our audience knows, but income is the amount you bring in 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 any given year. Wealth is just how much you have accumulated.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, there's discussions on bringing in wealth taxes, um, Different types of taxes, and you wanted to know which one that I think is a regressive that I think is appropriate as regressive. Um It's kind of regressive, but social security tax.
1: That's the only one. That's the, yeah, okay.
0: And, and the reason I think, so social security tax is proportional up to an
1: income limit. Mm-hmm. And uh, once a, you It's had... a low income limit too. Like it's, I would say it's a, in the grand scheme of conversation. So uh, I don't know if you're going to look it up. I can look it up. It's like um, 140,
0: 150.
1: Like, it's yeah, I, in my opinion, uh, so, and this, is a nor- this is a normative thing. In my opinion, it feels like an incredibly low bar when we think about like all these tax brackets that you're paying, you know, marginal tax rates up to $600,000 for a couple and things like that. Um, that for what seems like a really small tax, it feels like the threshold ends really quickly. So, and 100- have-
0: so it's 160200
1: And it's like, what, 2%? 3% social
0: security, 7, 7% you, but it's also 7% employer or okay. like 6.7. I think it is, but um, yeah. um,
1: that sounds right. Cause I think it's comes to 13.1. So right? I, I
0: I don't know that. I think, I think it might be too high um, really? in terms of, so the reason I think that's appropriate to be regressive in this way, I, social security was not set up to be a welfare system. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. It was set up to be, look, if you work, you're going to put some away, but then you will get it back. That is that's that's the idea, and then there's some things that's you know in some ways it's a you know it's an insurance system. There can be death benefits, yeah. there can be things like that, and I think having it as a proportional or a progressive completely changes that dynamic. And so, so I think it's appropriate as is. We could argue over what the right income limit is, but or well, you could argue that I'm wrong and it should just well, be taxed on everything. But
1: so the I mean my main my main qualm with it it well so actually. Yeah, what you just said at the end is actually, I think, where I was going to go with this. Um, so I'll, I'll present it from two ways. My main qualm with it is that we regularly regularly have these debates about not having enough money in Social Security to pay out uh, what, we, like, what we owe people. And having that threshold at 160 feels low and that feels like a very easy place to fix that up. However, I think if you raised that limit, you could lower the percentage, right? Because d- you don't need to you don't need to i'll say 13 so we'll sum up both sides together um i don't think you need to keep it at 13% and then raise the limit i think you could make some adjustments down uh which ends up helping some people on the lower end then be able to save more money you know keep more of their income realistically where i would love to see it go is just lump it with the income taxes um and factor that part in there and say look you're collecting income taxes to fund social security to fund medicaid to fund uh unemployment benefits and and the things like that so i think I would love a simpler system that just says, "Here's all the things you've collected um, in terms of income, capital gains tax, things like that. Whatever your whatever your income sources are, instead of doing like each of these individual components, um, it feels weird that we divide those two out, but not other ones that we also say are just as important. Like we don't have a military tax that everybody chips into, which is a large fraction." Um, sure. So, I, th- you know, but then at the same time at local levels, right, we have edu- we have school taxes that people pay. So it just feels weird that we have designated uh, some taxes, but not others. Yeah, I think the
0: deadweight loss on how much time we- you have to spend to keep track of all the tax activities is is insane in this country. And yeah. I don't know. I hadn't really thought about l- lumping it in, although I should have a lot of other countries just do that. But yeah, um, that- that's a- that's a good that's an interesting point on lumping, lumping things in, but that, that is a regressive tax that, that I'm in, I'm in support of.
1: Yeah. So actually while you were sitting there, I was trying to think of regressive taxes and I was thinking, I was like, okay, social security is the only regressive tax I could think of. Um, and I, you know, the story that I think always gets told, right. Is that, um, what is it like, uh, LeBron James plays, pays the same social security tax as like your local, uh, doctor or your veterinarian, um, or, or me
0: technically or, right yeah, or, yeah i'm over
1: yeah i mean i'm not so yeah. he doesn't pay, he pays a little bit more than i do um but yeah so I, th- I think i think you brought up a really good point that i think it's i think we talk about it but i don't think we really present it well or as a, a well-reasoned argument there is an incredible amount of deadweight loss from taxation not in the sense of how right administrative costs running the irs like there's costs there. Yep, yep, But just the amount of time that people spend filling out their taxes, checking yeah. their taxes, um, you
0: know, keeping people, track of their forms, paying, you know, having to deal with the hassles and
1: they, <laughs> having to find their forms
0: or having to deal with the hassle 2 years <laughs> later because you know, you you know the thing that they knew about, they didn't just tell <laughs> you. Hey, by the way,
1: at least I guess it, the in hindsight, right? At least they didn't just like debit my checking account because I sign up for direct deposit. That probably would have been worse than bounce a check and to the government. Yeah, no, I just, we, I think we talked about this in a previous episode of deadweight loss around things like TSA security, sure. right? The couple minutes you spend uh, taking off your shoes doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you realize the millions of people who fly every year, it adds up really quickly. And yeah, from the taxes level, even people who have an accountant, um, right. You still have to collect all those documents and hold on to all those documents um, throughout the year. And I, I, I can't, I don't do it. I just, I can, I am not good at it because I will random, you know, my, univer my alma mater will send me an email that says, Hey, donate. And I'm like, here, here's 200 bucks. Yeah, You know, they send me an email. I don't think to print that and add it to my taxes because it's not going to get me up to the past, the standard deduction. And then as I'm sitting down to put in my stuff, I'm like, Wait, did I? I donated to them. I'm pretty sure I donated to them, um, it, like those sorts of things. Like I don't keep track. Uh, I can't. I, I really can't. It's not worth my time, so I just don't. Do, I don't deduct it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you no. Know, I, I was trying to do some quick math. If the average, so I don't know how many how many households pay to have to deal with the income tax forms um, in this country, but it's the seventy two million. 72.5 million pay no federal income taxes, according to a study that's more than 40%. So let's say it's 150 they still million.
1: To, they still have to fill out an income tax form. Yeah, right?
0: so <laughs> 150 million households, and let's say they spend an average of, what, four hours?
1: I mean, even if it was an hour, right? Like it's still going of, you're still. Yeah. Like, and I, I mean, I, I, mean, if I you had a few lowballed somebody, it, right? I had
0: somebody do my taxes this year, and I'm, I'm guessing it's more than that, but let's just yeah. say it's four. And then what hourly rate do we want to put on, I mean, an hour of leisure time? I mean, this would basically be an overtime wage, right? So minimum Maybe. of 30 bucks an hour. That's, the, that's the, a lowball estimate. Yeah, but... The
1: average US wage is about uh, $33 an hour. So yeah, I think you can put $30. Right, if you if that person's not doing it, a, a bookkeeper's doing it. You're taking it to H and R Block. Somebody's doing it. Well, and
0: you still have to spend a lot of time.
1: Like I, I had to spend a lot
0: of time to get everything together to say, okay, here's the forms from the college <laughs> education. Here's the forms for the simple IRA for my wife's business. Here's the here's what you know. Here's the proof I had health insurance form. Yeah. Uh, it comes up to almost twenty billion dollars yeah twenty billion dollar cost to society because it's not just automatic
1: that's it it definitely takes me more than four hours because basically throughout the year when some when an email comes yeah. in or a receipt comes in, I just have a stack and I'm like here's my stack of stuff to deal with in april
0: yep yep yeah so I mean that 20, million, 20 billion could be a the lower end right i mean and that's not count that's not counting that's each person that's not counting you know the payments and you have very talented individuals who are doing work on taxes who could have been doing something else if the system was simplified. So that's um, the income tax system is highly inefficient. And this one, I think there's a lot of time we give these great solutions or what we think. I, I don't know that we do that, but in some ways, I always think it's interesting to come up with the questions mm-hmm. to answer, which I think we've done a little bit more on this episode. I don't know that we need to disagree more because I don't know that we've disagreed. Too oh, much no, I thought,
1: I really thought this would be one that we were stronger on. So, um, Matt, we're coming up on thirty minutes, so I want to I want to present one thing to you because I want to get your opinion on this. Um, uh, maybe I'll say two things. It might I'll present one thing based on what we talked about in the previous episode, but I'll present a second thing as part of my. I'm going to call it pop culture, but it's not really pop culture. Um, one of the arguments I saw recently was that this evolution of ChatGPT, you know, any of the you know generative AI stuff would actually <laughs> ideally. Well, I'm going to say, as soon as I say ideally, and what I'm about to follow with this may not be ideal for some people, but it would make the tax system more efficient that you would have these programs that can better read through to see actually what people are doing um, in the sense that the IRS could efficiently collect taxes better than they were doing before. Do you think that this sort of technology would generate more taxes? And if so... Would the would you then be able to argue that we could have a lower tax rate because we're actually collecting the taxes we anticipated collecting?
0: It's a good, really good question. Yeah. Uh, in theory, I would think it should do better at helping to detect if somebody's avoiding paying taxes mm-hmm. when they should. So I would think that's a yes. Yeah. And then I think two is probably also a yes. However.
1: Do you think they would lower taxes? No, as, I
0: don't think they would. And then there's the question of at some point we we haven't really had a, an episode on the debt yet. Yeah. Uh, on this, at some point we should uh, we'll save for a debt. So I won't say on that. But at some point, right? When are we going? You know, what would we do about deficits on that? And so that's part of why I think maybe it wouldn't uh, wouldn't decrease. Is it would it would go there? And it probably depends on what administration's in power. That's, yeah. uh it's as, as I said to someone. Republican Democrats are in the White House, so it's Republicans' turn to come <laughs> to say how the deficits matter. And when it flips, it'll it'll be opposite. But
1: um, the and uh, anyway, some we got sidetracked. So let me <laughs> present. I'm going to present my pop culture, um, okay. but I'm going to present my pop culture. It, it's I should probably also say it's not pop. It's not going to be pop culture, but it's a media clip that I really like. Um, but I'm really interested to present it because I would actually like to hear your feedback. Um. For a couple minutes, if you're willing to share it, it is sure. it is an old quartz uh interview with Bill Gates. Um, and this came out, I want to say maybe five years ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eyeball, yeah, five, six is years. Is a video
0: interview or,
1: um, it's like one of those, it's not like a one on one interview, it's uh, it's just a clip of him talking, uh, responding to something that, that well, he was asked. Maybe
0: if we maybe we can try to embed the question, we might,
1: yeah, yeah. we might be able to. Um, so essentially it's, it's Bill Gates, uh, in an interview with Quartz argued that we should have a ro- So six years ago, we should have a robot tax. Um, that's the way he kind of phrased it. But then as you hear him talk about it a little bit, he presents it in kind of an interesting way. And I present this in my labor course, is that companies will automate certain things. They will invest in certain technologies that idea realistically replace some labor. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, automation replacement, you know, it does create sure. new jobs later, but at an individual company, you might see a reduction in employment. One of his arguments was that we funded our tax system with, oh, I should know the amendment, the, uh, what amendment created tax 22, three? No, it's not that high. Uh, we should know, we should have, we 16. actually should have, i pretty, I'm pretty starting at 16th. But we should have looked up the, the amendment for this stuff, So we were prepared, um, right, so, but we, season. we created, uh, basically we funded our government off of labor taxes is, is largely. Yeah. And that income. is,
0: it is, it is the 16th amendment. Okay.
1: 16. Awesome. Um, right. I, I knew it was a number that was important. Like I always try to remember the numbers based on something else. I think the 16 was you start working at 16. So you have to start paying taxes. I think that's how I remembered it in, in high school. Um, But basically, a large portion of our government is funded off of income taxes, especially when we think about things like Social Security and Medicaid of taking care of people. But as businesses, if businesses are to move towards robotics, automation, they would likely not be paying as much in taxes. Uh, So people would not have as much income or on the business side of taxes, they wouldn't be paying as much. And yet their profit taxes tend to be lower than the taxes they pay in labor, so they're doing this like shift of tax rates. Um, and his argument is essentially, I mean, he calls it a robot tax, but realistically it's a its a profits tax instead. Um, but essentially arguing that that money should be what's used to pay for like education training programs or funding Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, things like that. So it's a really interesting interview, uh, especially to talk about in a labor economics course, just from this idea of like, in a world where we were to eliminate work completely and we had no income, we would have essentially no. We would have a very a much lower tax structure or tax base than we did before. So I'm curious your thoughts on that topic.
0: Yeah, and I, 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 I had heard that if individuals stop working dramatically, something will have to change. So yeah, <clears throat> if I, I think about a labor capital trade offs mm-hmm. and if you're taxing the labor but not the capital you could see firms have an incentive to invest in capital mm-hmm. given capital makes labor more efficient. And also, you know, basically everybody has a job and in the U.S., I mean, the unemployment rates have fluctuated, but going back the past hundred years, basically everybody's had a job. Now we've had mm-hmm. recessions where that's not true. Uh, I am not ready to go there at this point in time, yeah. largely as, in the investments in capital tend to bring about change of improvements actually for workers and wages and the well-being of society. That's my initial thought. I hadn't thought of it too much. but uh, what's your take yeah. on that? You've thought about this more than I have if you've taught about it taught it in the labor class.
1: I, yeah, I teach it in my labor course. So we teach it in the section where we talk about David Otter's work on the hollowing out of the middle class, right This idea that we don't have as many middle class jobs, middle income jobs, I think they I think he calls it the dumbbell. Something with a dumbbell, where we essentially have more, more high-income earners and more low-income earners than we'd had before. Um and so where it got really curious for me is going back to your argument in the beginning, a lot of low-income earners don't pay taxes uh, because they're below that certain threshold. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're paying tax-paying citizens, moving some of them up and some of them down. Um, and so I right ideally you would think right, the ones that are moving up outweigh the ones that are moving down, but then it goes back to the social security part. And that's where I really kind of link that part in, is that you're moving more people up to a category where they might not actually be paying more in social security taxes, but the people on the lower end are not earning enough money. They're not earning as much money as they did before. And so they're not contributing as much as they were before as well. So I presented it in that social security context of like, you're moving those people out, but you have these kind of weird tax distortions happening. Social
0: Security, you still pay, but the the still income you yeah. right, you don't. Um, that's an interesting take. Uh, I would, yeah. you know, this is a different episode if we go into that because I I challenge on the middle class being hollowed uh, part. That might be, it might actually be a good episode. You know, yeah. is is the middle class being hollowed out? Uh, but that's that's an in, that's an interesting. It's thought provoking, right? Yes. I, I had not yeah. thought through that as much, so that appreciate the example. Uh, the example, I'll go with an old. You know, those who I know, are, I know it's,
1: I know what I think I know which one it's what it's going to be.
0: Well, and a part of it is I just literally watched the first hour of get back yesterday. So I don't know if you knew what it was, but uh, oh. the Beatles documentary. So it's any economist knows that tax man is uh, a great song for this, but in there, they actually refer to, you mentioned earlier, the 90, you know, the
1: mm-hmm.
0: close to 95% tax rate, right? They say um, that's one for you, 19 for me. Um, the tax man. So they literally, they refer to the 95% yeah. um, marginal tax rate in there. And of course the Beatles would have been paying that rate given the amounts of money they earned. So it's, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a really anti-tax song if you <laughs> hear it and you don't think of the beat, you think of the Beatles as being, uh, you know, their political things, right? Lucy in the sky with diamonds, right. To spell out LS- LSD, and, and here they have one railing against having to pay too much taxes in their little subtle way, but kind of making fun of things, in a, you know, in the best way they can, having everybody sing about I'm the tax man mm-hmm. uh, in a mocking way. So I, I think that's a, a great song that many economists who have tried to use music in classrooms have known about for years, but I assume some of the listeners
1: know that's, the song. That, that is a that is a great, that's a great choice. Do you know, well, now we're going to make this big picture before we wrap up do you know the video that I thought you were going to use? I don't. So we'll uh, have three examples. It's a bonus. I example. Mean, it's a bonus example. I thought you were going to do the family ties turtle business. Oh, thing. I was going to do that one. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. I just wrote down the tax man. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, so we'll describe that you. one. Describe that one briefly. Cause it's, it's really, I thought that was going to be the one you picked.
0: Yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> So Alex Keaton is talking about, he's teaching preschoolers about Mm -hmm. how to run a business. And because his younger brother, Andy, is there and he he gets in there. And the preface I say for everybody who doesn't know family ties, and I assume some of our listeners won't know family ties. So Mm -hmm. it's an 80s sitcom. Michael J. Fox is the oldest son of Stephen and Elise Keaton. Stephen and Elise Keaton are 60s hippie liberals. And of course, their firstborn son Alex is a staunch conservative. Uh, in some episodes early on, he would only go to sleep with like a Richard Nixon lunchbox or something like that in his crib. Uh, he has Ronald, Re- you know, like Ronald Reagan posters on the wall. So I preface that, and I also say when I, I'll show this to students, but I'll also say, look, in real life, you know, Michael J. Fox is on the left. I normally don't show political stuff, but there's. Just a funny line on this. So he in there is talking about all the things to open a business. You need a marketing campaign. You need to figure out the inventory. Um, you And then if he says, and then we'll need an accountant to, to help avoid us paying taxes, which, of course, a four-year-old asks, what's taxes? And he says it's a horrible. I'll see if I can get the quote right, and we'll link to it. It's a, a tax is a horrible, hairy, liberal monster with big teeth. And the only thing that stops the terrible tax monster is a Republican. And then he asks, and of course, all the kids want to be the Republican. So that's a good (laughs) clip. We'll link to that. Um, I sadly, I wish that, you know, Republicans were, you know, fighting taxes, the horrible tax monster, as much as Michael J. Fox claims in that.
1: Um, Back back in the 80s, maybe they were. Maybe. maybe. So we got three bonus clips for today. Um, Those are all good choices. And we had good conversation with them, too. Awesome. Good stuff.
0: Good stuff. Well, I I enjoyed my beer, as you could tell by the pretty much empty glass.
1: So. I'm I'm close. I'm down to the skinny part of the glass. Uh, yeah. but it is a, it's sour, so I got to that, gotta... that sour is a sipping drink. Sour it's a is sipping a drink one. Drink I can't drink. chug this one.
0: Well, thank you again to everybody for tuning in. Um, happy Tax Day. If you haven't submitted <laughs> them yet, uh, or condolences, and have a beer on us or not on us, but you know, have a beer in our honor when you're in misery and. Appreciate everybody who tunes in. We made an announcement earlier that you may have seen. We're now on several podcast networks. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. It's nice to be on Spotify uh, and tune in, I believe. And by the time this drops, perhaps even more.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. It was good talking to you. Nice to talk to you. Cheers. Cheers.